Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about an auspicious episode that's taking place at a very auspicious time. I'll explain in a moment. I'm Beth Elderkin, and I'm joined as always by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are you doing? Very excited. I'm sad because it's the end of spooky season, but very excited to talk about this episode because this this was a wild ride and uh, had a blast. This is going to be a fun episode to talk about. I'm very excited. This is season three, episode 11, Going Home. It's the mid-season finale for season three. It is, in my opinion, one of the best episodes in the entire series. Uh, And I feel like it's coming at a perfect time because, Abby, we are now, we have just hit the 10-year anniversary of Once Upon a Time. On a little Sunday on October 23rd, t- t- 2011, we were introduced to the world of Storybrooke, Emma, Henry, Regina, and everyone else. And so, like, I-, I was watching the episode and I was thinking about how far it's come since then. Because this this episode is very much, it's going home. We are traveling. We are going through this emotional journey with these characters. Everything comes full circle in so many ways. And I'm like... This feels right. Oh, 10 years. That's why does it seem short and long at the same time? Because we're old now. I guess. I, I guess it feels like it's been a long time, but maybe it's just because of how we've been talking about it and we just keep referring to like the early 2000s and the 2010s as if they were some sort of way back time. Uh, but yes, and as I learned from New Girl and then did it when uh, your husband and I got together at our like 10 years of knowing each other, that's the 10 anniversary. So yeah, get out your 10 fairy tale things that we all have, I guess. Like, <laughs> I mean, we don't really need tin foil hats because there are a lot of like theories that we can go on because the show's been over for a long time. The one thing I will want to know is the reason I found out that it was a 10-year anniversary was not because of my memory, because my memory is terrible, because as I mentioned, I am getting old. It was, I actually saw it on Jared Gilmore's Twitter account, 
um, because I just started following him on social media because he's oh. like a he's like a super nerd and streamer now, and I'm like I'm super happy for him. He's doing voice acting, he's doing streaming, and he does miniatures and shit. And I'm like really into that. So I just want to say good for him. He seems like he's oh. doing well. Oh no, I got I'm gonna have to go follow. I don't follow. I follow like the most random people on Twitter from time to time, and I. Of the Once Upon a Time cast, and I couldn't tell you the reasoning for this, but I'm following Colin O'Donohue and Sean McGuire. That's it. None of the others. I don't know why. Just those two. And Sean McGuire is Robin, so just... (laughs) Okay. My weirdness. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, well, let's go ahead and get into this episode. This one is... It's going to be a little tricky to talk about because this doesn't have the traditional two-story structure. We don't... We have the present and we have the past and a... A lot happens in the present and the past is just sprinkled through to basically remind us of where the char- how far the characters have come, what they were, ex- what they were going through at the time, what their conflicts were so that we can understand how they've resolved. Like all of these are just meant to be just time uh, wrapping up chapters. Each one is wrapping up a chapter. So, you know, we're going to kind of go through the, go through the actions, the main things, and then sprinkle in those wonderful moments Um, And I will say this episode was written by the showrunners and it didn't have great like views because the show had been going steadily downhill in, in ratings. However, this one received mass critical acclaim from audiences and critics alike. So I just want to point that out because this is, it's a good one, you guys. This is a fun one. It's a lot of fun. And it's also, again, another fun game of how did they hide Jennifer Goodwin's baby bump? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, in one scene, they just chose not to. They did the thing that I had said they should do for a long yep. time, which was just embrace it. This, this, I think, had she not been uh, with child, I don't think they would have done this scene. No. Uh, so I think that uh, creatively, being constrained creatively uh, made it a better show. And so I also like that, like, for most of the times, like, she's just sitting. She's in a big coat and sitting. Everyone else at a certain point is standing around in gold shop ready to go to war. And they're also, like, at one point all running. But they're running at a, we're running with a pregnant lady pace. It's hysterical. (laughs) Well, we open on the episode with Pan, Pan Pan, and Felix, who are going to be casting the curse. This was the one, like, this is how they kind of get things going. And I, I'll admit, like, it did kind of start things off on a really not super great note for me. Like, this was, I think, the the lowest point of the episode. Although there were a couple other things I kind of rolled my eyes at. Because they're talking about enacting the curse. Pan, Pan is throwing the ingredients in. But he is missing something, guys. He's missing the heart of the truth. The, not the heart of the truth. The heart of the thing he loves most. Now... It kind of seemed for a hot second that he was about to confess his ever-dying love for this lost boy. That I was going to say that would have been, like, way better, but then remembering that Pan is actually, like, a drunk drunk 50-year-old dude makes it weird. Yeah. So, uh, you're right. It did start giving that vibe, but I do, like... And they explain it away a little bit, too, with Regina as well, where they're just like, oh, well, I have to give give it up, but, I mean, I don't also have to give up your heart uh, like they, they, it's a lot of pivoting. I love magical pivoting where it's like, we've set out this very specific ground rule, but we can wiggle a little, I guess. Yeah. Because apparently the thing he loves most is absolute loyalty to him, which yes and no, like I, I don't like Regina 
killed her her horse and that wasn't good enough and it was her beloved horse like i'm sorry felix would not be enough to enact the curse that said watching felix the shit all of a sudden go oh no the consequences of my actions no i with the with the way they deconstruct the dad towards the end pan when he becomes dad uh, with the with the wording that he uses, I wish they would have gone. I think they could have still done Felix, but done it differently. Mm-hmm. Not his undying loyalty, because that's not what that's not what he wanted. That's not what Rumpel's father wanted. Rumpel's father wanted his own freedom. He yeah. wanted freedom to be able to do whatever he wanted and for no one to stand in his way. And it'd be like, look, you were the son I I always wanted. Like that would have been wild. Just been like, you're the son that I wanted. You didn't, you, you came to me fully gestated. I didn't have to care for you. You knew how to wipe your own butt. Amazing. But also you let me be a wild, awful human being and never got in my way. And you were always here. Uh, And it's an unconditional love that I should have had for my son. That might have made it a little bit better, but yes, there's like, I love your loyalty. I don't know if loyalty has yeah. ever tracked with Pan. Like, that's not a character trait. I also don't think loyalty would track with the curse. Like, I'm sorry, this does this does not, this does not cut it. But alas, we need to get the plot moving, guys. We have a lot to get through. So, it works. Felix goes, no! And gets his heart ripped out. Uh, by Felix the shit, we hardly knew ye. And his heart gets yeeted into the bottom of the well. And the curse has begun. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, I, love, I, love that the, I love that the smoke is traveling very quickly. But then by the end of the episode has stopped for some tea or something. Because it just slows down long enough for lots of monologues to happen. So, Lots uh, of monologues and goodbye hugs. But we need every single one of them. Oh, every single one. Every single one. Uh, <laughs> but yes. All right, well, we are back at the vault and Gold is saying, okay, we need to stop this curse, but the only one who can do it is Regina um, because she enacted the curse in the first place and so she has to be the one to basically just do a hard, hard um, control Z, command Z, and undo. She's got to cast an undo spell. I have to backspace, delete, delete, delete. And it's going to have a price. Because everything has a price. Magic has a price. But Regina, at this point, she has come to a place where she is she is willing to do whatever it takes because she needs Henry to be safe. She needs her son to be safe. Now, there's a lot of, like, missing pieces. They want to stop the curse. They got to try and slow Pan down to where, however they can. So what they need to do is a couple people have to go on one mission to go get the Black Fairy's wand. Remember that name. It's going to be important later. Much later. But it it's the little nugget. Gets, the little seed gets planted right now. And then meanwhile, everybody else is going to chill with um, Henry Pan just to make sure he's okay because they're going to do, they're going to body swap things back. They're going to return things where they were. Yes. Yes. Um. So for, So we have, first we have Hook. We have Tinkerbell, we have Neil, and we have Charming, right? Am 
I remembering everybody? <laughs> yeah. Um, I would just like to point out straight up top that it took me all episode to figure out what charming vibe he was giving me. Uh, he looked like Bill Pullman in Independence Day. Like he looked like the president <laughs> about to jump into a fighter jet. Like he had the hair, the like the button up on top of or underneath a leather jacket. Like it was all very like cool presidential. I don't know what this vibe was, but I dig this specifically. Yeah. Well, one of the big things in the episode is we get little pieces of everybody's past because we need to be reminded of how far they've come, like I said before. So we've got the first one, which is going to be in Neverland. We've got Hook and Smee uh, because that's going to direct and Tinkerbell because that's going to directly relate to Tinkerbell and Hook's their whole denouement that's coming up in just a hot second. Uh, They have a lot of sexual tension. A lot of it coming on the heels of the fact that Hook tried to proposition her and she turned him down. Like this all felt like the timing was, it was a lot, a lot for me to take. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of liked, I I liked this at the same time, but I also do like that she was the one that was completely reading it correctly. Like she knew straight from the jump. Uh, But yeah, I I liked, I like this and I like bringing Smee back. I miss Smee. I like his big red hat. I do too. He's got a good red hat. I'm glad they kept that prop around. I do too. So they get drunk and they're talking about the dagger and the the thing we need to take away is one, Tinkerbell has lost her magic, she's lost her wings, she does not believe in herself, and Hook is only motivated by love and revenge. He's lost his love, so the only thing he has left is his revenge. That's very important to remember in like five minutes, because they're all going to go to church. Take me to church. Do we legit just do that? Like, I mean, it's yeah. A, it's a I mean, it's song. it's a it's a popular song. It's pretty easy to trigger on the like, "Take Me to Church," but yeah. They had they had to church, which was like an actual set. Well, it was actually I think it was actual church. I think that was like a bona fide religious place because it wasn't like, CGI. I, it was a good set. It was a good set. Whatever it was. And you've got Blue's corpse lying there. I I. I loved everything about this because I love the little minion ones where they're like, we need the black fairies one. And they're like, they're all huddled together. Like if they separate, they die. And they're just like, Oh no. She's like, enough. Like I just, I loved, I loved her little minions, her little, her sisters, her, her the, the fellow fairies. The I'm, fellow I was trying fairies. to think about what colors they were. Yeah. 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 Fairy, they- orange fairy. Aquamarine fairy, who's basically yeah. Blue's right hand. Aquamarine's too close to Blue. Close? She wouldn't let that okay. fly. She It would be like various stages of like white and pinks. So it'd just yeah. be like pink and coral and then salmon. It's like, are they all the same? No, they're different. Get an education. <laughs> all right. So yeah, so they need to get the Blackberry's wand, but they say no. But before anyone can get any resolution to anything, the shadow shows up because he heard through the grapevine that they were looking for this wand. So now he obviously wants to find it for himself to prevent them from getting it. The shadow just floats menacingly above them. He knocks Hook around for like Hook does a bad plan where he's like, I'm going to go distract it. And he goes to distract it, and then no one else does anything. Exactly. There's got to be a step two. I'll distract it, and then you go distract it. Okay, what were we supposed to do? Like, yeah, I I love this. But also, he does get to do a really cool, like, fall on his face and then travel 20 feet down the aisle. Uh, And then his face is fine. Yeah, his obviously. That's can't. It's probably in his contract. Don't mess with face. Um, Yeah. 
so yeah, so the 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 shadow is floating. It is it's got plans, but before it can enact any of them, Tinker Bell believes in herself. She uses the magic pixie dust. She she she, she inhales it like she's getting the spice, the melange, or something else that's a little more illegal. And she gets super excited and the there's two moments that happen. One looked great and one looked cheesy as hell. When she lights the candle and gives that little smile, that was great. I loved I that. I love that. I love that. The floating effect, not so great. No. The floating effect is never great. Um, but this season especially, whatever they thought they were doing with the floating, just it did not work. No one can fly well on Once Upon a Time. It is that is that is just as much canon as anything else. It's In like, Once Upon a Time, no one can fly well. It's like it's like Star uh, Star Wars. Like stormtroopers just can't aim. Uh, it's just right. like oh, someone takes flight in Once Upon a Time. It's gonna look awful and be bad. <laughs> well, they managed to trap the uh, the shadow and kill it once and for all by by. By hurling it into the fires of doom, which just causes it to implode, and then it's fine. And okay, can I can I just can I just say, Blue died. Yep. She came back from die. Uh huh. And was alive. Uh huh. And yet, she's just standing there as if she took a nice nap. So I had a question. Does that mean somewhere on Neverland, Ethan Embry just zombie corpse just sat straight up? Is he alive now? I mean, I think his body is probably, I mean, his body is probably zombie. pretty decomposed. So maybe, yeah, just some corpse, corpse Ethan Embry is just wandering around Neverland forever. We need, you know what? 10 year anniversary of Once Upon a Time. We need what if episodes Marvel style, like Once Upon a Time zombies. <laughs> Uh, that'd be awful. Um, but that was my first question. I'm just like, okay, so did all these people that he kind of unalived with pulling shadows out, are they, if they were unalived recently, do they get to come back? But yes, uh, I do like that Blue woke up from like a long cat nap. Just like, oh, hello. Everything's fine. And is not called to action. She does not join. Right? No, she doesn't join. She just gives them the wand. And like, no one heard her scream back to life she screamed a lot when she died apparently she comes back to life super silently and no one heard her getting out of the coffin i love i love i just love the idea they're sitting there talking and she's just like sits up oh i died a little glad i'm back this coffin's not gonna work uh she probably run right out and been like listen i need to make some funeral arrangements because this is not gonna work <laughs> what did you guys just put me in this, this whole situation didn't work uh but yeah that yeah, she disappears very quickly. Just I, this, I will this give, whole thing was odd. I will give Blue one bit of credit though. She did finally acknowledge how bad she's effed up. Yes. yes. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, was a little strict back then. Yeah. It was it was understatement of the century, but it's progress. She's trying. I guess I guess, yeah. She definitely had that like being confronted by your child later in life. Just be like, ah, I was a little strict back then. Apologies. It's like, uh, no, uh, that that screwed up quite a quite a chunk of my life. But yes, thank you for the Black Fairy's wand. We're gonna go save humanity. See you later. And while they're doing that, they're coming back with the wand. We are at Gold's shop, and everyone is getting ready to switch the bodies back once the wand has been secured. 
We get a few character moments. Uh, one is notable between Snow and Emma, um, which is also juxtaposed with back uh, with sh- um, background information, uh, flashbacks about both of them. Snow White and Charmin chatting with the fairy. Snow is pregnant because Jennifer Goodwin's pregnant and they're worried about the curse. Hope is good. They're going to be great. But we, of course, zero in on the unicorn um, mobile that was going to be above her crib because that's kind of the framing device for Snow and Emma to mutually talk about not being there for their for their children when they perhaps should have been. And it would you know then then we also kind of once again see that prison hospital birth that we hate and we don't want to look at anymore where he's like you can change your mind. Now we understand narratively why it happened. But it still hurts still my gross. soul. Yeah. Still gross. Still gross that the doctor, I love that, because I don't think I caught it in the first episode when they showed it before. Uh, but when he's just like, Emma, look at the baby. And she's like, no, 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 no. And the nurse is just like whispering, whispers very quietly, she's not keeping it. Oh, well, you can change your mind. It's like, bro, you don't know the situation. Again, read the room. Again, I get narratively why they did this. Still gross as all hell. Um, and I gross. also still have questions about how I, I have questions about how, you know what? We'll get there. We'll get there. Well, I do, you know, appreciate that, that Emma and Snow kind of have this, it, it, it's a, it's a bond as mothers, not even necessarily as mother and daughter. Like, cause when you're, when you're someone's child and then you become a parent yourself, it there's a dynamic shift between you and your own parents because now you both have this shared experience of of taking care of somebody and and you know they also both are dealing with the guilt that they weren't there to take care of them and so you know obviously this is designed to get us into an emotional place where the decisions that come uh will resonate more with us and so i thought this was all very effective in very short amount of time. This episode is tight, very tightly written, and for the most part, I enjoyed all of it. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I will point out the one thing that bo- has bothered me, mm-hmm. and it will continue to bother me, is that they they like to draw this parallel between what Snow and Emma did about giving up their child, and it is a different. It's different. They try to make it seem similar, like, oh yeah, I I also gave gave you up, Emma, to give you your best shot. No. You gave her up to give you all of the best shot. It was more of a, this is like a royalty decision versus a single person decision. Like if you're doing something uh, for the good of the people versus what Emma did had no other people involved. It was just, I want to make sure that he, he's, you know, this child has his best shot. I, I'm in prison. I'm going to give him up for adoption. That is a different decision than this, the decision that Snow made. I can totally see that. It's, it's for Henry, Same it was kind of yeah. trauma, but different on a macro level. Yeah. It's in, instead of it's for him versus for them, which are two different motivations. Yes. Um, um yeah. And, and then we also have, uh, Rumpel and his dad and Neil and that whole dynamic, that whole thing is, that's another monster entirely. Another beast, if you will. Well, they get the wand back. And they get ready to swap the bodies. And, uh, of course, not before we put the magic cuff on uh, Peter Pan Henry. 
in the worst way in the worst spot. Why was it on his forearm? I, listen, I have so many questions about this cuff. It was so, like, they shouldn't have focused on it. They shouldn't have shown anything. It should have just been like a sound effect because it looked like a piece, it looked like a snap bracelet. Yeah. Like it did, it looked cheap as hell and I don't know why. And every time I get a look at it and it's nothing, it's nothing. It is a piece of fabric. It looks like a little C that is just supposed to be on there. And it clearly doesn't sit on his forearm correctly because your forearm is different shaped, starting from your elbow all the way to your wrist, different shapes. So a cuff that big is not going to sit correctly on the muscle meat versus where your wrist is. But again, I just hearken back to the part where it it is reveal that this is a magic cuff and Ethan Embry's character is like yes there is math and science inside of this all of this engineering is like it's it's a piece of fabric how is it not magic there's no gears there's no bells and whistles I don't understand what's in this well at this point I'm guessing that that Tamara and Ethan Embry were lied to that it also was magic. probably true also like, probably true because it's not science P- Peter Pan didn't do science he did magic so I think I think they had a, a plot and they abandoned it once they wanted Peter Pan. Like, I think that there was going to be something else with the Magic Cuff, with the company, with the bosses, with the home office. And they decided to tie Peter Pan to it because they liked this idea of Peter Pan, which admittedly is a good idea. And so they just kind of had to wrap all that shit up. But it didn't make any sense. I do like the 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 dual lessons that they learn in season these two seasons where it's like, okay... We're going to fight science and magic. No one likes this. Okay, we're going to stop that. We're going to send everybody to Neverland and not spend any time in Storybrooke. Okay, nobody likes this. Okay, so we're all going to go back to Storybrooke and we're never going to talk about the real world ever again. Thank you. Magic. It's solved. Uh... <laughs> and I, one thing I want to point out with a gold is he's got his like magic book that he's kind of looking through, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, to find the spell once he has the wand to uh, swap their bodies back. And it's full of a lot of stuff. And I guess I'm guessing the props department was just having a lot of fun that day because it has the tree of life from Kabbalah. It has um, uh, an illustration that was in uh, once upon a time in Wonderland. Um, It has the alchemical process, astrological signs there's like even like a demonology reference. And then there is uh, a poem from the 12th century, a Latin poem in there. And I'm going to read just like two lines for you because I actually feel like somebody was very purposeful in putting it in this book for Rumpel's journey. There's um, uh, burning inwardly with vehement indignation in bitterness will I say to my soul, Made of the stuff of a light element, I am similar to a leaf with which winds play. I am born like a ship without a sailor, like a wandering bird through airy ways. I am confined by neither chain nor key. I seek out my likes and keep wicked company. I'm a leaf on the wind. Watch how I soar. It's <laughs> all I took from that. Uh, and, it's, and the, the that's second a half is poem. about repenting and owning yeah. your past mistakes and stuff. I just loved it. That's that. Listen, first of all, killer poem. Second of all, your reading, spot on. Amazing. I could try in Latin. No. <laughs> not, not <laughs> I, I, I love it. You're just like, I'm going to butcher some German. Let me do Let's some straight go. up Latin. Let's Ooh, go. <laughs> international titles. We haven't done that. Let me, let me go back because there's actually a couple really good ones. International title time. In Finnish, we've got The Price of the Curse. Ooh. 
In French, we have keep hoping. Right. And German, the ever amazing ones, have not once upon a time. Right? That's a head scratcher. Okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Might make you think about it a little bit. <laughs> I like that. I like it. Well, as everybody is sharing their moments, sharing their memories, Rumpel switches their bodies back. Peter Pan Henry has a light seizure, but he's fine. Don't worry it's about fine. it. I mean, I didn't care to watch it. <laughs> I didn't care for this one bit. Child in agony? No, he's fine. What? Yeah. Uh, no. And and then the body swap happens, apparently. And so they're like, oh, Henry's going to be over there. We got to go find him. Everybody leaves Rumpel. Yep. I get why they do this for the narr- for the story. But even Belle leaves him. Why yeah. would, like, Rumpel didn't send them away. They're just all like... Well, we're gotta go. I I like that there's just this unit that they like move. It's like watching f- like four year olds play soccer. They don't play the field. They all just move in a big mass. And so like that's what that is. Like Rumple stayed behind, but the mass went to chase a butterfly. Uh, and th- and that's just what it is. The showdown at the very end. Is Granny at the showdown at the very end? I don't remember her like me watching her be frozen. Did she like dip out to go get her crossbow? I think she I dipped remember. out. Okay. Yeah. Um, because she, we needed a nose that <laughs> apparently Ruby was not available. Anyway, yes, I like that they all move as a pack, but you're right. It doesn't make any sense that they would just leave Rumple alone with yeah. Pan. Because they, yeah, with Pan, exactly. Because like they don't know if the magic cuff is going to work, because guess what? It doesn't. But narratively, we need the two of these people to be alone together for a very good scene. Before we get to that, we get Rumple's own flashback where he is marking Bellfire's birthday with a memorial service. Bell talks to him about it. He laments not being with him and hopes to find him one day, just kind of reminding us of the love he had for Bellfire and how he was working to remedy the mistakes of his own past with his own father. And... We get a good... Guys, I'm so excited for this scene. This scene was so good. You want to talk about it, Abby? This one? Uh, listen, you're way more excited about this scene than I am. I want to talk about... I want to talk about the later scene that they have together. Uh, so I'm going to let you take point on this scene. Okay. So, okay. Yes. I This this scene to me was, was, was tens across the board. So Pan wakes up. He's got the magic cuff on him and he decides to humor Rumpel for a little while in pretending that it actually has an effect on him because guess what, guys? It does not. And Gold is being a little bit cocky. He's like, I've got all the power here. I just want to know why you were such a dick (laughs) all this time. And this is like Robbie. Robbie K knows this is his last episode, although he does get some guest spots later. And he milks this shit for everything he can. Somebody wrote this scene and Robbie K read it and he's like, I get the Emmy for this one. Yeah. (laughs) Going for it. I'm going for this. Let's go. In some ways, it feels a little bit out of place. This is a very wordy monologue from Peter Pan. He kind of just, he kind of word vomits at Rumpel that, like hey it's kind of what you and i had talked about what we thought was his point of view and you had really emphasized this to me was the point of view of like 
he just wanted freedom. He just wanted to be free. He had this baby. He had this child he didn't want in his life. And he was weighed down with it. And all he wanted was to escape. And he didn't love him. He just wanted to be free of him. Which is kind of something you and I had debated back and forth a little bit. And, you know, props to you. You had it right on the money. Yeah. I love this monologue. It's corny. It's wordy. It's verbose. But I also thought Robbie just hit it so well. Like, I thought he 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 almost felt sympathetic in a very twisted way. Like, this is... Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. I just... The, the, the characterization of Pan... I, I'm conflicted with it because he is so motivated. So motivated. Because... Look at all he's done. He's done so much with Neverland and all the stuff that he's done. But he was so just like dismissive of his own child. Like there's there's something that doesn't marry in my brain with that. Like usually deadbeat dads like that, they aren't motivate highly motivated dudes. Like you don't walk out of the house to go get cigarettes and then you become a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Like guys like that don't want any responsibility and becoming the mayor of Neverland it's just, it's a lot of responsibility of a lot of little children that also need care and work. So, and again, he could have just been lying. But again, it, this, the, my problem has always been with, and I'll say this as a problem, not with the show. I'm just saying, like, why I dislike Pan as a character. Not, I won't say that I dislike him, but like, why I see him as a villain is because th- there are people that think like this. They think like this, they get a child and they're just like, ugh, just, just needs so much work so much was like this kid did not ask to be here this kid's this is not his fault so the fact that he's still doing this just wild shithead behavior of just being like you were so small and gross and weighing me down it's like rumple's a full-grown man at this point (laughs) like just be like sorry sorry i pooped in my pants like i don't know (laughs) sorry that that upset you uh but yeah like i don't know like there, there's just that part of it that doesn't really mesh with me that they never really fleshed out. I mean, I guess I could see it, but I did like this because it did re-again establish he's a little sympathetic of just being like, he's a guy that was in and over his head. But he still sucks. Like, a lot. So Yeah, I, I think the thing I'd like to add to that, because I totally see your point, and I, but I, I can do a little bit of headcanon in that... Like you said, like, you know, he's a deadbeat dad and, you know, he, he does, you know, how would he show this much motivation to kind of counter that? Like you hear stories about, about, about people like men in particular who like walk out on a family and then all of a sudden here they have a new family, like 10 years later or something. And they're a, a, a devoted parent and, 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 and loving spouse. They had got, they had left this first family and then found themselves a new family or, you know, they left the family and did become successful. There are stories of that happening. And I don't think it's necessarily that he's a deadbeat dad. I think it's more of a, at one point, Rumple was the source of all his misery. Like, like he just, he decided to blame Rumple for everything. And so when he removed that, when he removed his shadow the shadow of Rumple, he felt free to actually do the things he wanted to do. And when he would do them, he was motivated to do so. So I don't see it as necessarily being uncharacteristic. Could it have been better explained? 
Yes. But that's a general MO in this show. Yeah, I guess. I just, I, I, I guess I was always waiting for like a through line of just being like, he gave up his son, but now he's just like surrounding himself with all these other lost children. Um, and like, he never kind of comes to the realization of, oh, he misses his boy. Like he misses having his kid around. He just hated him when he was a baby, but he doesn't realize that or it, it just didn't make any sense to put that in the show. So, cause that's where I'm at. My, my head canon is that he just, he genuinely missed Rumple. He did love Rumple, but he didn't want to take care of him. Mm. Like if he would have had a highly motivated partner, which that would have been my argument for your uh, having a second going off and finding a new life is usually those people have highly motivated partners that keep them in check. Like the other person was like, I need you to do some double duty. No, thank you. And leaves and they go find some other person that's going to take the reins because those people need a lot of the times they need cared for. Anyway, anyway, Anyway. I did like this scene and I did like how it um, paired with the scene later in the street. Although that was that was a wild scene. I have a lot to talk about. Oh, my God. Yes. I, I have questions, thoughts, concerns. We will get to that. Well, Pan reveals, oh my god, shocker, no shocker, the magic cup doesn't work on him, but it does work on Rumpel, and like in an instant, Rumpel's lost his magic, and he freaks out to the point where he almost cuts off his own arm with a sword. I'm not sure he didn't. (laughs) Well, how did he get it off? He didn't get the cuff off. He has he, but he summoned his his sword and everything. Yeah, because his or, shadow. He just called for his shadow. He's like, "Hey, bud, come back here." He doesn't uh, need no. magic for that. I don't know. I'm still not a hundred percent sure he did. I feel like I would need my magic. I think he did it, and he just regrew it like a freaking lizard. <laughs> I mean, anything, anything's possible. You know, when when you when you believe. believe. I I don't know. Maybe we'll go to the next episode, and it will be him fighting with the cuff. I genuinely don't remember. Uh, but. In my head, the way that I read that was he did cut his arm off and then he just like, I don't know, grew it back or he's got like a pretend arm. We're very big on our Star Wars references here. So maybe he cut off his hand and now he has a biomechanical one because Star Wars. Well, we are now going to uh, take a hard turn out into the street where a good portion of the rest of this episode plays out to very dramatic effect. Of course, the thing that I couldn't help but notice was they have this huge showdown in the middle of the street, and yet in the background, you've just got people walking around and cars driving. I loved it so much. They're just like, oh my god, the curse is here. Guy crosses street slowly. (laughs) He's like texting on his phone. God, not again. I'm just, you know what? I'm not going to freak out. I'm just going to let it take me. Last time I freaked out, caused myself a lot of anxiety. I'm just, let it take me. Um, but yeah, again, it's just this wild chaos and the four people that are left in Storybrooke, I don't care. Grumpy maybe not, didn't tell them that the curse, the curse, the curse is coming at us from all sides, yet we're still able to get to town line. I, questions, but whatever. So yeah, so, uh, Abby, if you want to take us through the journey of Pan showing up and freezing everybody so that they all have to witness this whole showdown. Between yes. so, Rumpel and his daddy, Granny Wolf leads them out to the middle of the uh, little middle of the street, and then dips out to go get a crossbow, I guess. Uh, and that's when uh, Pan shows back up because we've ha- found Henry. By the way, Henry just runs out of from wherever he's like, "It's me!" And they're like, "Great!" Uh, and he just he goes, "Oh yeah, <laughs> I still have my magic." And boom, 
I'm just going to kill all of you. That seems like it's going to piss off Rumpel even more. And so he starts getting kind of creepy close to Neil and Belle. And he's trying to figure out who would hurt Rumpel the most to die. I mean, he's going to kill them both. That's his plan. But he's just trying to figure out what he wants to do. He's like, I'm just going to make all of your lives miserable. (laughs) Monologuing because he believes he has the upper hand. And that's when Rumpel, with, with or without his actual original hand he started the episode with, uh, shows up. And he's like, I don't need magic to defeat you, Papa. I just need my shadow uh, to come back and bring me the one thing that, he's, that will kill me because I need to die for you to die. Beth, how long is this dagger? Just... That's a really good question. I think I think that's the tip pierced Rumple, and that's all it needed. It was just, I just guess. The tip. Could you could you imagine like the like you don't need to completely impale yourself with the dagger for it to kill you. It just needs to draw blood. So like he's trying to move it from one place to another, and oh no, ah! Like <laughs> no, there's no more dark one. It dies with me. <laughs> that's how th- you know what? That's how that boar that was the dark one. That's how he died. He was trying to fumble it with his little hooves and he cut himself. Oh my God. I forgot about the boar. How did you? I think about the dark one boar <laughs> once a week. I Minimum. About- <laughs> Minimum. There was a dark one boar. Where's his spinoff? Oh, guys, if you've been listening to us from the time, what was the joke about the boar and the spider? I don't remember where the spider came into play, but I remember there was a whole thing we had about Dark One Spider and Boar. I remember it because I was finding I found a pair of my old notes and I just had doodled a boar and a spider riding on his back. <laughs> I don't remember what the joke was, but if anyone remembers from the E olden days, please let me know. Um Yes. So Rumple then grabs his father as Pan, pulls him into his chest, and then stabs Pan through the back like between his shoulder blades and I guess we're meant to assume that the blade pierces Rumple as well through Pan I mean he's a skinny kid maybe it's yeah it's a full-blown we got a full-blown shish kebab shish daddy situation going on don't ever say that (laughs) ever again (laughs) is that the is that the episode that might be the episode title shish daddy uh and and then they have this moment Pan stops being a child. Because I think this was the moment that they went, oh, this might be weird. And they turned him back into his original form. And so now it is two dudes who are about the, roughly the same age, have the same hair and same hair color, hugging in the middle of the street, one with a knife and the other one's back. And they're having this really close face conversation. I thought they were going to kiss the whole time. And then Rumple does kiss him, but like on the cheek is kind of like a like a really like weird sadistic f you like. I, I more thought it was like a goodbye daddy kind of thing. I like th- I think it was more of just like I've won. Like it was very it was a power move kind of to me. Um, and the cats and the cradle and the spoon. Agreed. Uh, yeah, and it's just like, well, if I'm gonna go, you're gonna go with me. Let's go. Let's go be shit dad somewhere else in the underworld. And they. Um, and, and Belle the- collapses. Collapses to the ground. Belle, li- listen, honey, I know. Uh, listen, it's tough when your whole personality dies right in front of your eyes, but you have to go find something else. I. Th- such a collapse. 
Like, where's this woman's fainting couch? That was such a reaction. I, wild. I was mad about it. Like, falling on concrete. Like, I, okay. And I'm done talking about (laughs) Why? (laughs) And Balefire, Neil, is just like, he just stands there. Uh, I did play the game of watch who's moving while they're under Pan's little spell. Um, And you can actually, I think it's, I think it's Belle more than Neil, but you can see Belle just like trying, like the whole time it's happening. She's just like, I don't know if like it was meant for her to like be coming out of it. Sorry, I'm moving like a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's she's wobbling back and forth, and we just we just realized this was an entirely visual joke. It was yeah. I was just sitting here wiggling on camera for Beth. Uh, but Belle is moving around, and I thought it was supposed to be that Belle was gonna like break from it because like her power of love is enough, but. That never comes to anything. Maybe she was just bad at standing still. She'd had a Red Bull before the shot. It was a mess. And so they don't have a lot of time to mourn. Uh, But we did miss one part where where Henry has the spell, gives it to Regina. Regina hits the ground. Because she now knows what she has to give up. She will now tell everyone what she has to give up. She's like, listen, here's what's going to be. How's it going to go? Storybrooke is going to have to go away. Like, if I'm going to undo this, Storybrooke will just go away. We're all going back to where we came from. But uh, Henry is going to stay here with Emma. This I didn't understand because it was Henry. You're born here. Emma not born here. Emma should have been taken. Yes? Uh, Well, I mean, she did go through the wardrobe. So I think they're like she went through the wardrobe before Storybrooke was created. So technically she did get out. I guess. It was like, it was a split second, but that also stands to reason that August, you know, Pinocchio would also be left behind the little boy. Oh no! Pinocchio is just like sitting around his little eight-year-old papa? <laughs> Hello? Oh no, well, that's He terrifying. did die and come back though, so maybe they were just like, okay, in his next life he's... he's no, but he dad. died here and was reborn here, yeah. so he's definitely being left behind in the weird woods that was Storybrooke. Oh no, little oh, August. Um, so the what's going to happen here is that they're all going to go back to Story... Or they're going to go back to the Enchanted Forest, but Henry and Emma will be staying and their memories of Storybrooke will be taken. And I do like that there's this moment. They're at the town line and there's a lot of goodbyes happening. And then Regina just kind of sidesteps in and she's like, oh, by the way, one more thing. And Emma, oh my God, what else? Please, how could there be anything else? She's like, your memories are going to be gone. I can give you fun memories though. I'll have it, you know, you can be with Henry and I'll give you the memories of having a life together. Which is nice. I just, you know, I don't know how you... How you make a story about being born in a prison, how long Emma had to serve in prison and still having a, a decent life. Because where would he have gone, I guess? I don't know. I'm guessing maybe questions. the happy memory included her getting out early. You know what? That's I forgot. This is a completely fictional thing. Anything could literally it happen. It could be whatever. Oh, and we also I also do want to point out that we do get one more um, back uh, flashback with Henry. And, oh, and Snow. Yeah, Snow giving him the book. The only reason I wanted to point it out is, you know, one, because he's getting the book. This is kind of that first step on that journey. But also because we see him struggling to fill out a family tree. And 
I get it's because they're trying, you know, they're talking, it's all about the complexity of his family, but I'm just like, oh no, honey, it's actually going to be a lot harder once you know what your family tree actually is. Yeah, you, you've got a lot of straight lines. You're going to need to start drawing some more circles. <laughs> some yeah, more curvy no, lines. A lot of more mm-hmm. question marks. And then Maybe like a Stussy symbol in there somewhere. There's And it's going to be like in... Uh, uh, in this, in this, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of it, but there's a story about a whole bunch of wizards. Uh, but there's a movie where they have the family tree and there's blacked out members because they're bad. Uh, that would probably be what um, what would be Henry's be like. Oh, and this is my great grandfather. Uh, his dad. Oh no, we just put like a black a black spot that we don't we don't talk about my great grandfather. Strange. That's uh, a wizarding movie. Wizard movie. Hmm. No one's probably heard of it, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk yeah. about it because I don't want to get too in the woods with my media. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, <coughs> they're all like at the tail line, and the whole time that the the curse is just like rumbling behind them. You can see the bright green. Here it comes, and they all have like they all get to do these like round robin goodbyes. I loved Hook and Emma's goodbye. <laughs> Yeah. So much. And it was such a perfect, like, by the way, this this had such a, you know, spoilers. This had such a these two are endgame moment where it was just like, just here it is. We're giving it to you on a platter. Here you go. Yeah, because Neil and Emma's was incredibly awkward. And yep. it's like, well, this isn't working out so well anymore. And then Hook is basically just like, yeah, you're going to miss me. And she's like, yeah, I bet. <laughs> Yeah. Or, or what, like, what did oh, they no, say? No, he's like, he's like, I'm gonna miss you, Swan. She's like, you better. And oh, it was that just was like, that was Whoa! what it was. Yeah, it was like, ma'am, <laughs> that was killer. I'd have like, I don't have killer. Like, I would have never been able to land a line like that. I'd have said it, then laughed, been like, oh my god, could you imagine if I was like that? <laughs> like, I'm not that person. See you later, fist bump. Um, yeah. So they all have their goodbyes. The curse takes them, and then we get smash cut to. One year later. Well, we also see um, the, we see an example of the memory being changed um, because we see oh, that. Oh, that's right. We see that prison hospital birth again because God forbid we're not traumatized I enough. sure hope we see it a fourth time. Ugh. And, and this time, instead of giving him up, she says, hey, let me look at him. Let me look at him. And this is a tender moment for them, but also it was ruined by the smug look on that doctor's face. He's like, I did it. Finally, I, I didn't. I didn't respect her wishes, and I pressured her into making a decision she may later regret. Here's a baby. He's like at home. I didn't let her take the easy way out. I'm such a hero. This guy, this doctor sucks. He's the big evil villain. Um, so they one year later, and Emma and Henry. They're. I love that. Like Emma's mode is to live in a city, like. They don't get like a little piece of farmland anywhere. She's like, nope, we are living in a high rise in a really awesome. I whatever the alarm clock she had going on there was wild. I loved that. Oh, yeah, I'd iPad met, clock. I'd... I think they were trying to show technology because you know they've all had these really old ass yeah. cell phones. I I'm just gonna say I saw that and went, that's cool, and then went, I'd break that. Like I'd smack <laughs> it and then it would hit the ground. Uh, and she's just like the world's best mom. Like she's they've got this. Gr- this big open space apartment in the middle of where are they? Are they in Boston? They're in New York. New York. Okay. I didn't catch the skyline. Um, and so they're in New York. Yeah, it's great. And she's for breakfast. And then, and then Doc Brown shows up at her door. <laughs> knock, knock. Marty, we have to go back. To- 
Back to the Future. Your kids. We just gotta do something about your kids. It's Hook in his full Hook regalia. And he's like, Emma, we have to, your parents, they're in trouble. It's, it's, everything's terrible. We had to take you back to the Enchanted Forest. And she's like, okay, excuse me, sir. It is 7.30 in the morning. What's happening? Are you lost? What's going on? And he goes, there's only one way to fix this. Goes in for the kiss. It doesn't go well, nor does it work. She just shoves him into the hallway, slams the door, and, uh, Henry, who was that? I don't know. End of episode. I I love how they ended on this flash forward. And this whole sequence, like, I just want to say how much I appreciated this whole thing. The the goodbyes with the family, S- Snow's bravery, Charming's um dismissiveness, like he was barely involved, which was weird to me. But like Snow's final goodbye to Emma is a gentle kiss on her forehead, telling her it's going to be okay. Because in this moment, she's she's actually getting more agency to say goodbye to her daughter, whereas last time she had just birthed a child and you know had to tear her away at a moment's notice. She she's give in this moment she is giving Emma her best chance. This isn't for them anymore. This is for it's kind of full circle. Like remember you were talking about Emma and Henry. In this moment, Snow is doing what's best for Emma because she's not she's not going to heal any curses for them. That part's over. This is giving Emma her best chance with her son, and so that was beautiful to me. Regina's goodbye with Henry was so sweet. Her kindness toward Emma, the vibes between them were so good. And then you see them driving away and you see the the, the smoke kind of encapsulate them, the now purple smoke because Regina fixed the curse. And then you see these smiles on Henry and Emma's faces as their memories are being replaced. Like mm-hmm. they're no longer fleeing their families from a terrible curse. They are now a mother and son out on a happy joyride in the sunshine. And there's no word, like there's no words. You just see it in their faces. And I thought that was really cool. I did like this. This was this again. And I've said it once. I'll say it a thousand times. They know how to do finales. Mm -hmm. So like this all worked and it did have kind of like a, if they would like, just like if they were worried they were going to get canceled, they just cut the part where hook shows up. And it's that's it. The end. This is the sh- this is the show. Thousands of things not tied up, but it would have been a a, a natural breaking point because there's not quite the cliffhanger until the moment Hook shows up. So I like this. I I like this. This didn't feel super cheese. It felt like the right amount of Once Upon a Time cheese. So I know I've mentioned that this is one this is this now stands as one of my favorite episodes and I think it's probably one of the the best ones they've done. What what are your thoughts? I liked it. I don't know if I would say it's my favorite episode, like or the best episode, not my favorite, but like one of the best episodes. I don't know. I don't think it struck me as hard as it struck you, honestly. Mm. I enjoyed it, but I don't think I was rocked out of my chair by it. Um I just enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it. It was great. Um, but I, 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 if I'm going to pick the best episode, I, it, I, it can't be a finale. I, it feels too easy. <laughs> feels too easy. I want to give them, I want to find a show in the, or an episode that's in the middle of the season and just be like, this is it. This is you telling a story correctly and here it is. So. I don't think we've hit that yet, but we'll keep an eye out for it. I did have a moment where I laughed 
because there's no way they there's no way that this was planned. Obviously, it was not even conceptualized at this point. But at some point, Emma or Neil or somebody just tells Emma she's going into the unknown. And I was like, Frozen! It's coming back! And I was like, no, wait, that's Frozen 2. That didn't exist yet. That song didn't exist. But it's just little tiny things. Maybe they knew. Maybe they're geniuses. Well, guys, that was season three, episode 11, Going Home. We love episodes. We never talk for a full hour. Like, we're close. (laughs) But it's like, we hate an episode, hour and a half easy. I know. I mean... It's, I don't know, like, as much as I love this show, it's it, it's always a little bit more fun when we get to talk shit about it because it is always coming from a place of love. Like, whether we, you know, no matter what we feel about it. I mean, this is just like us just saying, this is good. This is good I know, stuff. I just always it's think great it's so stuff. funny. I just think it's so funny. And um, yeah. So how are you feeling coming out of Neverland? Like, what are, what, what are, because like, I kind of want to take a moment to talk about this because... You know, this was a storyline we weren't really looking forward to all that much, but we were also kind of curious because people kept telling us how good it was, and I hadn't seen it since it first aired. I didn't have fond memories of it. Uh, Coming out of the other side, I understand why people got really sick of it because they didn't... I don't think they did as much with it as they should have. Like, there's more they could have done with Neverland, it kind of meandered and then ended. But the characters, Peter Pan himself, his story, really good. Uh, yeah, I, so I, like I said before, and this happened with this episode too, I genuinely not a clue what was going to happen. I had no idea. I was like, I've watched this episode before. I know I have. It just lived nowhere in my brain. So I was like, I was genuinely like, I don't know what happens at the end of this episode. Um, I, I know I'm, I feel like I'm enjoying it more than I did before, obviously, because my brain just expelled it from my head. I think that they did, I don't know what the problem was in Neverland. And I think it was just them dragging their feet with it. Mm -hmm. There should have been another big thing that was happening and they just spent too much time doing these like weird interpersonal fighting up, up top that just really kind of turned me off. Like I didn't like the the charming and snow and dynamic of like I almost died, but I didn't, and I kept it a secret. Like that was very frustrating. And then like Emma and Regina's like fighting, but now they're best friends. But then like everyone hates Regina, but now it's fine. They 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 did not stick the landing on a lot of that stuff in the beginning, but they found their footing right towards the end of the Neverland arc, and. I liked Pan. I, I liked him in this. I think he was good. I think I think the story was good. I think it could have been fleshed out a little bit more for my taking, as I did with the rambling I did about 20 minutes ago. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed this. I'll hopefully remember it a little bit more. My brain will just immediately expel it from my brain. Maybe it was a curse. Maybe I was affected by the curse. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with all of those points. And to just add to it a little, little bit, I... I feel like maybe if Peter Pan had been playing more games like with them, like there's the episode where he's like, you have to find Henry and then they, they search for him and then they mess with his rules and then he gets pissed off and then they have a whole fight. Like if we'd had more episodes where Peter Pan was doing direct machinations and he was like playing games with them, like 
going on a hunt or maybe even bringing Henry, getting Henry involved and tempting him to like play pranks on his mothers. Like if you started doing that, like doing more psychological and just like evil machinations on this island, I think it could have been more interesting. Instead, a lot of times in Neverland, people just sit around talking. Yeah, I would have liked more Henry stuff. Like yeah. we just, Henry just sort of sat around sat around kind of being toyed with and I would have liked to watch him like have a character arc of being dealing with being abandoned being given up uh like they kind of hinted it but I I think he's small and he has a lot of emotions and that would have come out more than him accidentally cutting someone's face yeah so well, now that we've come on to that, we've got another half season to look forward to. And Abby, you know what that means. Dun, dun, dun. What? Be- because, well, evil's one thing, but wicked always wins. Yeah. What are your thoughts going into the second half, knowing that we are going into the land of Oz? I am so excited for the... I. Do you remember I... anything about this? Because I don't. I... No, I remember nothing. Um, I just know that I I am sorely missing something in my once upon a time viewing, and it is, and it starts with the letter Z. So I I am so excited. I if I'm remembering correctly, I feel like I remember them folding that in correctly to the story. Like it's it makes sense if I'm remembering correctly. It makes sense as to what's going on. So I like this again. Almost no memory of it. So, going in blind again. I am curious how long Rumple's going to be gone. Because I don't remember if the actor was, like, on another project and needed to be killed off for a little while. Or if this was, like, part of the narrative story. Or maybe he was actually wanting to leave and, you know, decided to change his mind because the paycheck was too good and he got consistent work. I'm going to do a little research into this, like into Rob- what, what was going on with Robert Carlyle, and I'll have more information maybe by next week. I do like, I, I will say that I think we're probably hitting the stride where, you know, like you and I kind of, I hit on the whole rumple thing and the rumple bell thing a lot, but I, I think it genuinely, this is the point where if things don't start changing, character wise is when people start getting kind of annoyed because if Mm -hmm. he just shows back up and he's learned nothing I mean what what do you do with that and I know that that's sorry guys that's what happens like he just keeps relearning the same lessons and it is exhausting so like up to this point we've mostly been just like I feel like we've mostly just been living off of what we knew what, what we know is coming I think at this point like you could have followed that and it would have tracked for a little while but it just gets old pretty quickly. Like, even Regina got her redemption. They, like, she, Henry's lying to her. Like, you're not a villain. She's like, I'm a villain. I don't get a happy ending. She's like, you're not a villain. I loved that. I loved that. Because that's the only person who matters. Because he thought yeah. she was the evil queen and that destroyed her in the first season. He, like, evil queen to everybody, just queen to Henry. Like, I don't want to be the evil. I don't want the evil modifier anymore. And he, Henry's like, I don't think you're evil. We did the flashback. He's like, no, my mom doesn't love me. She's she's my mom, but she's she's not my mom. She's not my real mom. I don't like she doesn't love me. She's awful, and I don't know why. But we now see him being genuinely sad that she's leaving. And well, he's not anymore because he doesn't remember her. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this latest episode of Once Upon a Timing. 
I want to thank our amazing patrons and especially our Snow Queen level patrons. We've got Cecile Jenny, ZDF, Daisha Thompson, Patrick Stevens, Jacob Fulcott, Philip Korn, Samantha Hussle, Brian Sanina, Lisa Slack, Lindsay Alice Halleck, Paul, Ryan Gregoricus, Emily, Rachel Zucker, La Femme Fictionale, Erica Farrow, The Salt in Our Stars, and Zach Chobanoff. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash timing. You can subscribe to us on Apple or Spreaker or wherever you get your podcasts. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash timing. You can find us on Twitter at timing. I am personally at Beth Elderkin. I am at just underscore Abby. And we will be back next week with season three, episode 12, New York City Serenade. Oh, what's the song going to be? Is it the song of There's No Place Like... I don't remember. It's a pirate shanty. Uh, (laughs) It's over. We're going somewhere over the rainbow. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. And Abby, we will see you next week. See you next week, Beth.